to Deeply Disturbing Things. The podcast. I'm Macy. And I'm Naomi. And we also have Sarah. Sarah, our hype girls in the house, hyping it up. Chilling out with Obi, the cat. And Obi's here too. We got a crowded room tonight. Right. Do you want to say the rest of our intro? I, there's too much in between now. And we're two anxious counselors, three anxious counselors who like to talk about deeply disturbing things. We believe normal is boring. Knowledge is power and laughter is the best medicine. L'chaim. L'chaim. I can't. I don't get it. L'chaim. I can't. I can't get it. Yeah, L'chaim. That's it. spit. I just yeah. try to get it. It's a totally like, different letter. I feel like if it was more huh strong, is a different letter than it. huh. Huh. It's hey huh. versus chet. Huh. Chet. Great. I I think I get to go first today. You do get to go first today, and I get to go second. I'm happy about that. Don't look. I'm I can't look. The mic's in my way. This is I a very see. therapisty topic. Ooh. So it's good that we have three therapists in the room. Wonderful. And a cat. Always need a cat. That's going to tie into my talk. I am going to talk about professional cuddling. Oh my gosh. I've seen little snippets of things and I have so many. What, what were your initial reactions? Ew. Ew. Okay. And then maybe I'd like it. I don't know. Ew. ew and then followed, maybe, I'd, maybe like I'd like it. And then ew, probably. Like it's definitely. So it was a maybe I'd like it in an ew sandwich. Right. If I got to pick my cuddles then okay well you do you get to pick your cuddler do you well yeah. no 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 but I kind of viewed it from the other side of being the professional cuddler oh yeah, yeah. I'm I, if I get to pick then I'm totally fine <laughs> well I I don't know if you I mean I think there's a screening process and then if somebody is just not meeting the standards then you don't have to give them a cuddle anymore get out of my cuddle box so we are wired for connection with others. We don't just need social connection. We actually need physical connection with other people. And our world has become really hyper-connected in some ways, like with our phones, we're always connected to people, social media, but we've become deeply disconnected in other ways. Like, we like I worked from home today I talked to a lot of people on video but was not in the same room with any of them same. at any point same. and it wasn't until you know you two came over then I realized that, that's why we like this um realness yeah that it's like it feels good to just have somebody there like, we've in your presence we've it's done a different zoom experience ones. yeah like we've done zoom ones and it, it is like it's still fun but it's like I don't there's just a piece there's something missing yeah Western cultures are touch deprived for other reasons as well, besides, you know, the new age of just being connected electronically. Even when we're in physical proximity to others in the West, we don't really engage in a lot of touch. And I'm talking about healthy touch. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about creepy touch. Yeah, no creepy touch. Not talking about ass grabs. I mean, time and place. Time and place. Non-human primates spend about 10 to 20 percent of their day grooming each other every day i saw monkeys do that at the zoo and i was like that's so cute 
It I is wish cute. I had someone to pick ticks off me. I wish someone would pick those gnats off from my lip my lip gloss. <laughs> if you go to various other countries, people spend a lot more time in direct physical contact with one another. So a lot more than we do in our country. Hmm. In a study from the 1960s, Sydney Gerard studied the conversations of friends in different parts of the world as they sat in a cafe together. And so he observed conversations for the same duration of time in each of the With different consent? countries. I don't know. I didn't read the the, the human subjects review board okay. thing. Okay. What did he find? In England, the two friends touched each other zero times. Mm, this doesn't feel like there's consent. In the US, during bursts of enthusiasm, we touched each other twice during the conversation i think i burst it might be a burst like <laughs> yes <laughs> see what that's the problem with west but in france it was the extra touch that really made it worse in france they touched each other 110 times in an hour wow and in puerto rico they touched each other 180 times during the hour and in France, they they kiss you, kiss, kiss all the time, back and forth. You do lots of them. Of course, there are plenty of good reasons why people are inclined to keep their hands to themselves. We live in a highly litigious society. We don't want to get sued. We don't want people to think, you know, misjudge our intentions, misunderstand them, and think we're creepy. But Research really is showing that as humans, we're suffering because we're holding back too much. We need touch. The benefits of healthy touch are really amazing. Can I disclose? Yeah. What? So at the end of podcast last oh, week, did you hug? Sarah, well, we had like a good, like we were talking about how great the podcast was and she's about ready to leave. And she goes, so are you, are you like a, a hugger? And she comes <laughs> in and she's like, cause if you're not, I won't. And I'm like, not really. And I shut her down hard. Oh, I I know. Down well, you hard. missed out. That was an I opportunity know. for you to get some cuddle chemicals. I'm, I'm an affectionate person. So I know I I'm, like to hug, but I respect people's um feelings if they don't like that so i would much it's I, for that well it's not even so much that i life. don't like it it triggers anxiety in the moment and then i feel good but maybe but we did you need to work <laughs> through that oh that's right we touched we awkwardly touched here come here come here lean in we did this Oh, you did an ET? I allowed her to touch me. You don't finger. even like ET. Which actually made my night. I didn't like equate 20. it to ET, by the way, until well, you said that. I'm a hardcore ET lover. So I have like horrible repeating nightmares. I'll so. be right here. And then the glowy finger. You're lucky you don't sound anything like ET. So ET is amazing. Oh my God. My cat is barfing on the floor right now. I they probably can't hear it. It's over. It's over. It's Close over. This is why I don't have carpet anywhere in this house. Is there is it just laying there though? Yeah. Well, I'm I in the middle of the podcast. It's fine. I'll clean it up sure. later. It's just because he goes outside and eats grass and then he comes in and picks it up. Just like a lot going on right now. 
<laughs> Welcome to Deeply Disturbing Things. Really got me activated. Unscripted, <laughs> unedited, independent so little podcast. Uh, back to the benefits of healthy touch. Preterm newborns who receive just three 15 minute sessions of touch therapy each day for five to 10 days gained 47% more weight than mm -hmm. premature infants who just received standard medical treatment without the touch therapy. We talked about that orphanage study a long time ago with the little children who were. Yeah, so this, this shows why historically babies in orphanages where caretakers deprive them of touch, they are they fail to grow to their expected height or weight and they have behavioral problems often attachment difficulties from that trauma michelangelo said to touch can be to give life hmm. touch activates the brain's regions linked to feelings of reward and compassion which we need in our field we need to be compassionate as helpers mm -hmm. There are studies showing that touch signals safety and trust. It soothes. Basic warm touch calms cardiovascular stress. So it, it regulates our nervous system. It activates our vagus nerve, which is completely involved in our ability to be compassionate, our ability to learn, our ability to be engaged and connected with others. And simple touch can trigger the release of oxytocin oh, aka the love hormone love so we need touch but we're getting less of it than ever i mean the pandemic did not help no, no. because those poor teenagers six feet no, people are still doing the six feet yeah. thing mm -hmm. oh, that's me. not wanting to touch but we need it we need to bring back healthy appropriate touch i didn't have very much of that i mean but I, you added the word appropriate and then it sounded bad. Um, my professional liability insurance provider gives this advice about hugs. Who's that, HIPSO? No, I go with CPH and Associates. Oh, okay. Says, there's a big difference between a question that asks whether a particular act is legal and a question that asks whether there is a reasonable likelihood that one can get in trouble, even though the act may have been lawful. Right. So our code of ethics does not speak to to touch, speaks to we can't, you know, have sexually sexual relationships with right. people, but it doesn't say anything about touch. So it's not illegal. It's not clearly defined in our code of ethics. It's not illegal, but However. we still could get in trouble for it. And that's why a lot of therapists just avoid it at all costs. Right. But are we harming our clients by doing that or not harming them, but not providing more effective treatment. And, and I would say like, there is such thing as, a, as like too much making it about you and your needs for touch, but even just simple things, like if somebody is sitting and like really going through some hard trauma stuff, like there are therapists who like, will touch the shoulder in that moment and hold that moment to have the connection. And so I think sometimes when we talk about touch and counseling, people go like to the extreme of like, you know, we're not hugging people. Yeah. People are like, avoiding it at all costs. So if a therapist wants to avoid the risk altogether, that would, touch. that would be your approach. You would don't hug, don't touch, 
just do talk therapy. Have a sticker. If a patient if a patient were to ever initiate or attempt a hug, we would be prepared with, yeah, I worked in schools for a long time. If kids would come in, you, I wouldn't deny because that would be damaging, but you'd, you'd just automatically go to the side hug. Mm -hmm. So we would have clinically appropriate and respectful declination or statement of preference on board for those moments. Right. Cause you can imagine a teen coming up to you, like at, we all worked in schools at any age, really. If you were to just turn down a kid in that moment, like the shutdown, like, yeah, the rapport is gone. They now you're in a different world to them. Right. <laughs> it's damaging. The trust. I know that's what I'm feeling now. You have to weigh, go. yeah, the pros and the cons and the benefits and the rest. Are we going to hug at the end of this? We're going <laughs> to all hug. <laughs> We're going to do a three-way hug. I said hug. Appropriate touch. Yes. Hugs. Sometimes clients might it's take innocent really acts, hard. though, and turn them into false allegations. So that's why we're doing something lawful and proper may still give an element of risk. As to the issue, so this is still the guidance from my liability provider. As to the issue of hugging on special occasions, that presents a different dynamic. The risk is certainly less than it would be if during a, if you had than if you had a regular hugging regimen. So like if it was a routine part of your therapy, like people right. come in, you hug them, or people leave, you hug them. So there's no like discriminatory. Like it's just this one person that I hug because I like them. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're doing it, everybody then that's more risk oh, that's, well, than if you just hug on special occasions like oh, say I see what you're like saying. someone's maybe graduating from treatment like oh let's I see, I see here's that. a hug goodbye but but I would say if you can't do for one don't do for all so when people when your people graduate then you should give them a hug if that's something that they like well though you have to consider people's well that's the yeah, stories which I'll get their, into here in a second yeah. Therapists, and, so this is still guidance, therapists and counselors who incorporate some form of touch or physical contact within their practices should first obtain some sort of form of informed consent. So my my liability provider recommends if hugging routinely occurs or other forms of touch are incorporated into the therapy, provide the patient with a written and signed informed consent where the nature and purpose of the touch is disclosed. Ooh, I like that idea. And I haven't seen that in many informed consent. <laughs> yeah. The client should be given an opportunity to consent or object to the touch. Right. And they should be assured that if the consent is not given, mm -hmm. for example, hugging before or after sessions, the therapist will fully respect that decision and no negatives will flow from the refusal to consent. If the touching is in any way related to treating the client or is in any way intended to help the client, then the informed consent document should disclose the clinical rationale and support for such an approach and the potential risk and benefits should be fully and accurately disclosed. So I thought that was pretty useful. I mm -hmm. I had to really, really search to find that. I was about to Information. say, I would want, like, I'm sure it exists out there somewhere, the exact kind of wording. Like a template. That. Yeah. yeah. I mean, about a template. How would you approach that? Though? How would you 
written that well, well it's part of I your informed consent just document at the very beginning, yeah. like, by the way one of the things that sure. we may do is a therapeutic form of touch um it's your your right to to object that and you can do that now or even mm -hmm. in the moment or you can be okay with it and then change your mind that's all fine all right and then you would say what the benefits mm -hmm. are of a hug or whatever it is if it's mm -hmm. some other form of touch yeah. a pat on the hand share a little <laughs> research and just say you know some are comfortable some are not and um and I was thinking a lot because I teach yoga also and yeah it's very some good. yoga places have like a little thing like a card you can get at the door that you can have to one side or the other indicating you're okay with touching or mm. don't freaking touch me oh I like that yeah. so you don't have to <laughs> That's such us working at schools. I want a card with a green and a red on. Yeah. So I thought like that might be an easy way to just incorporate it <laughs> yeah, because somebody might consent cards. to touch like in the beginning, but maybe they're having a day where it's like, don't fucking touch me. So maybe you just have a card on the table and they, they could just flip, flip it. it. And then, I'm, and you know, like green, I'm good. Red yeah. is like, like stay away. <laughs> I just, I just don't want it to turn into professional cuddling of like, <laughs> I know that you need it, but maybe I don't feel comfortable in this moment, providing that to you in this moment. I don't know. All right. I mean, that's raises another question. What if the client wants it, an appropriate hug and the therapist is just it's not comfortable with it? Like maybe we're talking about sensitive subjects that um because our whole thing like with transference and counter transference we have to be very aware of that throughout the counseling session so if something is triggering for you it may not be therapeutically beneficial in that moment to hug and how do you communicate that yeah it's, it's tricky so, so this is really good wine by the way i know it's hard to try it i know it's just it's so tasty okay Living in a Western society, we are touch deprived. Talked about that. Basically. We're conducting work and social lives without being in real life with one another. And that doesn't give us an opportunity for healthy touch. Working in a litigious field like therapy, but there's other ones like teachers, mm -hmm. like that's another place you have to be careful. Right. Uh, we're avoiding touch at all costs, but everybody's suffering as a result of this i think it's it's too yeah. extreme and we maybe need to come back to middle a little bit well i mean and if you think about it like massage therapists will ask you like are you okay with me massaging your glutes <laughs> you know that they ask before I'll those 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 types of questions um so if all it takes is that a little verbal consent then i could see healthy therapeutic touch being not that big of a deal legally as long as you get consent Unless you cause a lot of emotional damage that could be proven in court. <laughs> enter, enter professional cuddlers. I looked up a website. It's a pretty big cuddling company called cuddlist.com. Cuddlist? Cuddlist. Mm. They are a for-profit professional cuddling company. There are other companies though, but this one looks like pretty major. Cuddlist.com also provides training if you want to become a professional cuddler there's a two-day training coming up in may costs 1200 bucks oh. you can become a professional cuddler 
this profession is trying to desexualize connection via human touch. So this is that. platonic cuddling, platonic touch. I, I like that idea a lot. I do think being a counselor has made my view of that a little, I mean, again, the number one, like, complaints and license pulling in our field is for sexual misconduct right so we're fearful <laughs> so, like so nobody wants that right so i mean it makes it where like it does feel very taboo because I, like nobody wants their license for right it. right and you never know what someone subjectively even if they consent to it at first subjectively is going to view in that moment exactly um, i would love a professional color where there's just no strings attached just hold me for a bit <laughs> There's even cuddle or snuggle parties. I can't do that's like an orgy. I can't cuddle orgy. There is a cuddlest code of conduct on their website. Client and practitioner both verify that they are at least the legal age of consent. Client and practitioner both agree to be free from any mind-altering substances during the session. So they're fully able to give consent. Mm -hmm. I loved that. Yeah, sounds like counseling. Yeah. Client agrees to fully disclose, disclose any diagnoses or conditions that may affect their cuddling session to the practitioner. Mm -hmm. So this is where if you have some kind of trauma history or some kind of medical you know, situation, you're going to disclose that. One of uh, the, that massage therapist said that um, they were giving a massage to someone and they normally do like this area around the neck and the client started crying and they stopped, like, are you okay? And they said that they all of a sudden like came out with the story of how they were choked by an ex. And so like it brought up this huge trauma response. Just massages can do that. Yeah. Yoga can do that too. Mm -hmm. Mind body or one. Client and practitioner both agree to practice consent and attention to personal boundaries at all times. So there's a discussion that happens prior where you discuss, like, maybe I don't want this part of my body touched, or I want this, or I don't want that. You know, I want to be big spoon, or, you know, whatever it is. There has to be a discussion, probably similar to massage therapy, of like, if somebody gets a boner yes at least as a female typically it's easier to hide <laughs> yes and on the website that was in one of their faqs because that's like the biggest thing well, so kind of embarrassing if somebody day. gets sexually aroused you're supposed to not give any attention to it and not do anything to encourage it right but you don't want to like call it out or make them embarrassed either. You just kind of want to. Well, and it could be on either side. And I it mean, could be just a natural. There could be boners all around. But I'm having a hard time really making a clear line between orgy and cuddle orgy. But I'm. Well, it's it. not. It's not encouraged. It's not focused on because it's not. You know, there's just human biology. We have right responses to things that it's like the moment we're not in control of play it's like that moment that key moment that gets rushed in a relationship cuddle me for a while first but prolong at that moment well i've no. said i've disclosed <laughs> on the podcast that i don't like getting massages because from my history it it's too <laughs> intimate for me 
and I don't like that. Look, I just that's just me. Super deep tissue, so the whole time I'm in pain. Yeah, but I just that helps. It's just too to me. It's too that's sexual. Why I don't like tennis. Yeah, so I don't. I just don't do them. Yeah, not me. Oh, it's my favorite. It's I just my do best yoga. I massage myself. My yeah. touch is once a month. Just shove your elbow into my spine. Yeah, yeah it does. I was going to say something, but I decided not to. Great. Okay. This is the best moment. Client and practitioner will communicate to find what is mutually comfortable throughout each cuddling session. Mm -hmm. This is a strictly platonic ser service. Both agree to not pursue or encourage sexual arousal. This sounds like the one time you agree to cuddle with a friend in high school, and then you end up making out. Well, okay, here's the thing. <laughs> This wasn't what, like what I was going to say, but this is something that just popped in my mind. Okay. My entire life outside of professional massages, a massage was used as that like precursor. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. you're not really hooked mm -hmm. up, but it's like, oh, would you like a massage? You know, I don't like and it, it might be on the no. beach or it might be here or there. And then that's the lead up. But they do, sh and maybe that's why it doesn't work for me. Because I'm like, you're, you're you're doing a shitty job. I know, but it doesn't matter do if it, you're right? wanting to hook up with somebody. You let it go because it's like, it's like an innocent enough lead up where it's like, okay, either person could back out of it at that point, but both people want it. But it's a way to lead into it without like saying it. I don't think I've ever done that. Oh my god, so many freaking times yeah really? it's the move i feel like it, that's creepy no it's not don't it's I, not if there's I somebody like creepy. you sort of have a little bit of a vibe but no, you've like, never done anything with it no. and then it's like oh you no. want a back rub Ew. you know a shoulder rub don't no oh my god no it works me it's it's lead buy me food take me to a movie this is more teenage times this is more teenage times like nobody's going out to dinner everybody's no, just doing no, massages then, on the beach then you just you know i i can't say more. my dad listens keep going so it's just there's so much connotation to me that's why i just can't i can't go there so minimum clothing of a tank top and shorts that cover the top half of the thigh and are suitable to be worn in public for both client and practitioner at all times i would really like i really need like i want you to wear leggings i don't want anything slipping out Short well i mean ambiguous. you could talk about that in your like disclosure pre-talk no hand to genital or breast contact no intentional yeah. genital stimulation of any kind right no exchanging of saliva or any other bodily fluid in any way right both agree to respectful personal hygiene so there's a whole no section on there like what do you do if you think your practitioner is not stinky doesn't have good hygiene what do you do if your Ooh. client doesn't have good hygiene i had a massage therapist that had a hangnail and it scratched me the entire massage and i didn't say a damn thing and i and i i went home and looked and i had scratches all over me because i didn't feel comfortable saying something oh right yeah isn't that like a gotta advocate for yourself yeah. Why? I once got scalp burns at a hair salon because I was afraid to speak salon. up when the hair dryer was literally burning the Ew. shit out of my scalp. I did that with hair, hair dye. Yeah. No, I'm better now, but I used to suffer through anything. Oh, I'm probably not better now. 
I am way better now. I will say something. I'll be like, excuse me. That is really hot. Excuse me. I feel blisters arising right now. I had hair dye that like. I know who gave that to you. I know you do. That like. We all know. know. If you know, know you know. know. We will not say the name or the place because we don't want to shame anybody. All right. My scalp fell off for like three days. (laughs) It was so bad. Oh yeah, no, I had like yeah. chunks of my scalp. It was like my whole scalp uh, scabbed and then peeled, and it was a giant third degree burn across my scalp. Thank you. No, I did eventually say something, but it was way too late. It's too late. Yeah. Next time you have a massage therapist, I'm hey, now. Will you speak up? I will after that because I was like, that was stupid. But it was someone I wasn't normal. I didn't normally see, so I didn't feel comfortable and they acted super confident about it so like there was some weird vibes that I just didn't like a 2020 research article that explored the use of therapeutic touch suggests that clinicians should consider the client's cultural background personal touch history and current state to ensure therapeutic touch will not cause harm Mm -hmm. So it's a really cool. So this is recent. That's 2020. I'll say good job on. We love some current research. Yes. We, you know, keep it in the last three to five years would be ideal. So the training. This article is titled "Training Issues Related to Touch in Counselor Counseling Training." So this is uh, in the Journal of Counselor Preparation and Supervision. So this is focused on training our new up and comers by Jonathan D. Wright. And he says, foundational skills for using touch in counseling can be incorporated into coursework. Counselors can be encouraged to to include exploration of clients' touch histories and intakes and taught how to discuss touch with clients as it applies to both informed consent and therapeutic processing. So I love how they talk about incorporating cultural history because we need to consider that because as I mentioned earlier, some cultures are very touchy. And so if we're not touching, we're not practicing cultural competence in that case. I touched Sarah's foot without her consent just now. (laughs) Sign a form. And feet can be sexual for people. Oh yeah, foot fetish is huge. (laughs) Foot fetishes are huge. They're very very popular. No, we haven't. Uh, Future, future. future. Uh, so we should also look at how touch was used by attachment figures in the client's life. So I love that. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. was was there perhaps sexual abuse where where touch was an abuse of power over them, or was there you know violence mm-hmm. with physical abuse, or was touch you know, nurturing and loving, or maybe touch was withheld as a punishment. So exploring mm-hmm. all those aspects before we just des- we right. decide to move forward with hugs or not hugs. I know that my family on one side was very like, not in like a bad way, but it was more of um, like, they all felt awkward hugging, that sort of thing. So like, my dad went out of his way to hug me more, even though like the rest of the family didn't really do hugs as often. Mm-hmm. So I I do very much remember that in my childhood of like being huggy and super touchy was definitely not a, a norm in mm-hmm. our family. And, you know, I was raised with all kinds of abuse. So I made a point to 
hug the shit out of my kids all the time, whether they liked it or not. I still force them into hugs all the time. I force them. Yeah. For many clients, touch may have been paired with experiences of powerless, powerlessness. So this is most pointedly seen in survivors of abuse, but has been likely experienced to some degree by many clients, particularly women and clients with less privilege. For these clients, providing an opportunity to take control over their own bodies and tactile experiences can be particularly empowering and transformative. And the reference on that little bit is little bit is our favorite, Bessel van der Kolk. Oh, we love him. Um, one, uh, it's gone. Sorry, okay. this can of wine is great. <laughs> so the conclude part of the concluding statement in this article is that the most important step in ensuring the appropriate use of touch and counseling is to lift the taboo and bring this back into conversation in clinical and training dialogue. So I love that. And we're doing that right now. Right. We're talking about it. So like important. it doesn't need Talk to be a black it. or white Shine issue. Shine a light on it so that you can talk about it. It doesn't have to be right. no touch I, or right. too and much I, touch. Your topic about, that's what brought it in my mind, was the um, episode 69, where we talk about mm. female sexuality, that one. I was traumatized during that. Right. Um, but part of the point of it's that, the only episode we edited, like heavily edited, and and yes, yes, and it's was my talk is my topic. I did the traumatizing, but um, <laughs> one of the main points is that like women, at least in the U.S., often have this like it's for the man in a lot of ways for sexual interactions, um, and that is we talk about the lack of talking about female orgasm and putting that at forefront, mm -hmm. um, women who lie about having it and things like mm -hmm. that. And I think that um, advocating for yourself in intimate situations where cuddling is intimate, doesn't have to be sexual, maybe part of that too, of not advocating for what you need intimately for touch. Yes, have those awkward conversations. You just don't want people to listen to episode 69. It's a great no, episode. No, I don't. About episode 69 it made me very angry it was such a good episode though you i know but so personally good. it made me very angry yeah. about just right my situation but in we, life and but, society right. because i couldn't just be i couldn't just be open and honest mm -hmm. i had to and that made me angry which was the point of the whole thing which but was, i just yeah. can't because no mm -hmm. nobody will accept that i accept that. but read my book that will it's be coming out, out never you had no because i say said, everything in my book you already said that i get to read it no i you said that i nodded but <laughs> you said a, in a non-committal way and i said yes that's committal yeah we'll see it'll have to be a slumber party absolutely with lots of alcohol <laughs> We can totally because try. I will be sobbing the we entire can, time. We can totally try twerking <laughs> upside down again in a handstand. Perfect. Great. I haven't done that in years. I'm sure it'll go well. It'll go really well. <laughs> or not. I mean, it's much harder upside down, honestly. But um, no, I think it's easier. Is it because you get a little more gravity, like the bump? Yeah, bump, yeah, yeah. Bump. I can bump, see that. Bump, 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 bump. Um. So I was thinking, like, how could I personally? 
bring ther- in the healthy touch Bringing into the therapist oh. practice like right now like I don't know if I want to go full hug but I was thinking like maybe some high fives or with kids you could do patty cake games yeah or like do like fun handshakes where you're like yeah this is our super sweet handshake you could do like cat's yeah. cradle even with them if you've ever done like like that yeah and you know sarah and i teach yoga calm and one thing i love about that program it's a yoga social emotional learning program for kids is they do make a point to incorporate healthy touch into Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. so there's like partner poses right i've done a few of those with clients before and you see like the barrier at first and then you see that come down and it's so right so it's a good it's a way to do that in a way that's like appropriate and with supervision and it's bringing it in so we can get that the, those human connections teaches kids what chemicals going is. yes the tree for oh we tree did for with yoga and like doing the tree together like to build team teamwork exactly and Teamness. when i used to coach roller derby i used to cite research to them that right. um touching builds trust so touchy teams perform better. So when they come off the track, I used to make them high five each oh, other. Yeah. You know, remember I used to force them to do that. Is like in derby, I'm bare. Like I'll grab people, touch them. I'll like grab me, grab me, throw me. Like I'm totally okay with it in derby, which is interesting. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you you made it a safe place to do that. Mm-hmm. I think, and it was meaningful. Like there was a yeah. purpose in a there reason. There was a purpose, and and people could see the immediate benefit. Like, yeah, because oh, you works. come off the track, you get a high five. You're like, yes, give me I'm, my kill sticker. I'm part of something bigger than out. me. There's a lot of healing going on, but throughout that, I, I don't know what, you know. Oh, I after life. bouts, that's probably one of the best feelings I've ever had. Is best adrenaline rush ever right right well that's my topic professional cuddling wait can i say one more thing yeah um so i've heard of baby cuddlers that go and i think you kind of mentioned that where you go Mm. um if infants maybe don't have the parents around or no i didn't mention that i was just talking about the there's volunteer you can volunteer to go and like cuddle babies like their parental can I share I, something yeah I really want to do that though someday that's no that would be amazing um when Skylar was little he got RSV really bad mm-hmm. he was hospitalized for a whole week mm-hmm. and I was just like I'm not going to leave his side like I wasn't mm-hmm. eating I wasn't peeing I wasn't anything and I remember like this sweet like volunteer came in and was like you need to go get some food I promise like and Skylar's asleep at that moment she's like I am gonna sit in this rocking chair if he wakes up I promise I will he will not feel alone and I was like you want to touch some babies and I honestly had to pee so bad and I I was like okay but I ran I'm like I had lunch with my friend today who has a six six week old baby and it was just so and all wrapped up in like a little papoose here and we went and had lunch and it's just so cute but you could see like crying in the car you know the disconnect and then the instant up against mom quiet the whole time oh yeah that's why I got have this bed because I my kids not 
sleeping cribs the sex believe it or not no now it is but i got a king size bed because that's why i didn't put my babies in cribs i i we did the family bed my dad would do that too like i was sleeping on the bed my kids slept and then when asher was going to be born we had to like move skylar out and so we did it gradually like he had his little toddler matches first next to the bed and i would just inch him slowly out the door (laughs) (laughs) an inch a night you gotta go sorry yeah it's in the hallway (laughs) little by little and then he was in his own bed but he was like freaking five at that time so it's okay are you just there's not room for four are you ready for some i'm ready for some whatever you got some all right so i'm gonna talk about the kamukai and i may not say things right uh the kamukai house which is in japan let's hear about it wow and i totally already messed it up hawaii it's in hawaii oh you'll see totally different there's totally different (laughs) there's a legitimate reason i messed that up but that's okay okay so hawaii what do you think of um, I need to go there one day because I have relatives because my dad was born in Honolulu. Oh, I've been to Kona twice and I love it. It just makes me feel peaceful just thinking of it. Beaches, I might have people there that actually look like me, which that's exciting. Other than my kids, like yeah. I've never like experienced that really. Hmm. All right. So get ready to throw out all those happy things. So gone. I'm holding on to it. Okay. Just for a little bit. Okay, so there are countless, though, stories of ghosts and demons, mm-hmm. especially in Honolulu, Hawaii. At the, oh, my God. That's what the, I just said. At the Kemuki house in Honolulu. So many families have moved into this house and out of this house. And I'm going to share a little bit about some of the stories that have come from this house. Okay. All right. So. We'll talk a little bit about this creature that's said to be in this house. Recently, I think in the past like five-ish years, it's been demolished and there's condos now there, which I'm curious about the the impact of that too. Oh, if they're haunted. Right. So, okay. So incident number one. Okay. In the summer of 1942, authorities were called the Kam- to the Kamaki property because a woman claimed that an unseen entity was attacking her children. When police arrived at the house, they were confronted by a hysterical woman, I hate that word, screaming that a ghost was trying to kill her children. We don't say hysterical. No, I'm reading something. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, we say reasonably so upset. So she yelled, she's trying yeah, to kill no, my actually. children. And they entered the house. The police actually stumbled on a scene that they say they'll never forget. Three children are being thrown around the room by an invisible force. The officers watched for over an hour, unable to do anything. Okay. I'm like, are they just eating chips? No, they were trying. Um, So the children were being beaten and strangled by this unseen entity. When was this? Uh, this night, this was 1942 for the first event. Um, wow. This event, which is actually published in a newspaper, I have an article from the actual newspaper that it was printed in. Um, 
inspired a future like fictional version where it's much more violent but i'm going to read you the the news article from that actual time uh, it was labeled police called to shoe ghosts from kumukai so kahuna shoe ghosts hawaii's own witchcraft brewed evils again wednesday night dispelling old timers hopes that the war had stilled it so this is after um uh, Pearl Harbor had happened. And so there's all that happening. Um, answering a Kumakai near riot call, police sergeant blank and patrol blank found a Hawaiian boy, 10, and his two sisters, 18 and 20 years old, shrieking on a sofa. The mother, besides shrieking, was waving tea leaves and sprinkling Hawaii salt to ward off ghosts. She said her son had detected an odor of ghosts. Angry at being found out, the spirits attacked him first, then began repeated attempts to strangle his sisters. My husband who left me is to blame, the mother said. After one and a half hours struggle, police and family yielded the home to Kahuna and retreated to the mother's sister's home. And they left and sleepless neighbors gave thanks. The mother turned to the sergeant and said, look, you have goosebumps too. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that was what was published. Okay, so if you've been a bad person in your life, anybody, if you've been a bad person, your troubles aren't over when you're dead. During your funeral processions, as the priests and mourners carry your coffin away, there's a sudden crack of thunder and lightning as a demon tries to steal your body and drag it away to hell. Or maybe you just died at your home and your once beloved house pet thinks your sin-ridden body would make a delicious snack. Hmm. All right. So we're going to talk about Kasha and we'll go into a little bit more detail here in a minute. But Kesha? Is, yes. <laughs> Not Kesha. Oh. Kasha is what I'm going to pronounce it as to create a <laughs> difference. Um, it's one of the most confused of Japan's yokai. That's why I said Japan earlier. So it's an actual yokai, um, which is a, a Japanese demon. Over the centuries, kasha have evolved from a fiery cart pulled by devils to an aged cat that changes form into a corpse-eating monster. I love cats. Even calling them yokai is like misleading. I could, do not let me forget about that cat bar from oh my floor. I had forgot about it. Well, I know. I don't want to forget. And then it's going to get hard and become part of the floor. Don't Sarah. forget about the cat barf. Write a note, Sarah. Okay. <laughs> so yokai is kind of a catch-all catch term for Japan's monsters, um, but it's actually more of a demon, which is more like an onai. So there's, historically, it's been used to, to steer people towards the righteous path of Buddha um, by having these stories, um, of monsters and demons. Um, but it is kind of interesting that it's present in Hawaii, um, in such a strong way and in, in lore. So incident number two. Okay. Three women moved into the same Kamuki home Kamuki home one night an invisible force grabbed the arm of one of the women which frightened the ladies and resulted so there's multiple women there um three and police got called after explaining the incident the women asked if they could follow them as they drove to their mother's house like we don't feel safe here we're gonna leave so they start following them 
However, all of a sudden, one of the, the woman driving pulls off into a parking lot. The policeman got out to see what was going on. And the woman in the driver's seat was wrestling like she was being strangled in the car. Mm-hmm. Unseen force. Uh, she looked like she was being choked. The policeman attempted to help her. He was forced back and restrained by what he described as a large calloused hand. Oh, Ew, why does it have to be calloused? <laughs> The police makes that's, it so how, much worse. But that's how he <laughs> described it. Yeah, all those roughnecks. Yeah. Roughnecks. Rednecks. No, roughnecks is also a term. Okay. I think they work on oil rigs. Like you roughnecks. Oh. There are people that work on oil rigs. They have roughnecks? They're called that's like the term for them. Oh, oh you did up, point, you did point, so it sounds degrading. <laughs> um, okay, so. So they're in the parking lot. He gets grabbed by this large cow's hand. The policeman managed to get the lady being choked out of the vehicle into his car. But then all of a sudden the police car wouldn't start. So they try to go back to the other car together. Um, and it had turned on like there was no problem. They drove out of the parking lot, but things only got worse. The policeman saw the car door open as they were driving, um, like it was ripped open. And the that um, same girl was thrown out of the car. Um, the woman and police were unable to do anything as uh, the Kasha choked his victim to death. She died. Oh, Jesus. This, Sarah has a rough neck update. Well, no, jump in. Go ahead. Track. Because the yeah. next thing I have a, a news article. So yeah. I'll go. I mean, it's off topic, but yeah, they work on oil rigs. Roughnecks. Rough oh, wow. yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that was like. This is great. It gets the me connection. A break my wine. Yeah, exactly. I like it. Okay. Continue. Roughnecks. So this is part of the reason I really liked diving into this. I don't is want that a roughneck. Me neither. Um, moisturizing. Um, I apply a serum and a sunscreen. Is that there was news Daily. articles that went along with each of these incidents, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. So this one, um, I'm not going to read it all because it's very similar to what I just read, but an actual news article that just retold so it's like factual it's not like something that only would be in the inquirer right i think the um you know the attaching the lore the story to it is definitely probably the stretch but that's not what's listed in the news it's very um you know matter of fact of what the policeman said but it's the policeman said there's a ghost in that car you know like that's how they described it um it was like culturally acceptable to say that Mm -hmm. and at this point the house has been very viewed as like if you live there people may even say like who you live there like that's do you have a picture of the house i do i'll I'll show it to you in a second yeah so incident number three okay this is 1977 now another young couple moved into the kamuki house oblivious to the history nothing seemed out of the ordinary until they returned from having a hawaiian mother's mother's day dinner which is traditional there uh they said at midnight the bedroom became increasingly chilly there's no wind through the house though they woke up and the wife saw a white figure of a large woman standing at the foot of their bed however nothing visible below her waist and she didn't have any arms so it's just a torso right and a face yeah once the wife Based got up to use the bathroom, the figure disappeared. So I don't want to see any figures no, in my no, bedroom no. ever. Like if I saw that when I woke, I, worst of my experience is a spider on my face. Like, ugh. um, 
possible explanation may be, so here's what people think may have been the thing. So one is a twist on the first story that was told that was in the newspaper about the children. Oh, okay. Um, some people, because it was like in the 1940s, believe that actually what happened was that um, the children were brutally killed and that the father murdered his two kids along what? with the wife and he buried his son and wife in the backyard, but the daughter, daughter's body was never found. Oh. So there's like an alternative that's terrible. thing that's floating around, but that's not what's in the news article, but I'm not sure why that would be different or not, but that's one of the hmm. alternatives listed. Um, another one is that um, there's a second story of a lesbian couple who lived together and one of them became involved with a man who discovered that she had um, actually had a wife and the man killed her, the other woman and himself all inside the Kamuki house. Asshole. Right. So, so there's like some, and it's like, that's very specific to me. Like these, so I'm like, where did these come from? Um, but so there's definitely a thought that murders have happened in the home. This is a single family home. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Why would you live there? <laughs> well, in some of these people I wouldn't live didn't there. know, but um, apparently like on Honolulu, it's very expensive. And so for a long time, the Kamuki house was pretty cheap to get. Um, oh, yeah. Cause you're going to die. If people didn't believe in it. And they're like, oh, it's fine. Yeah. Right. Um, and actually uh, I read an article by a woman who more present day who lived there before the condos got put in. And she said that like, she never had any like she was a writer. So she's like, I never had any like huge things happen. She's like, but I had like a really good temperature setting in the house. And at several times it would all of a sudden just drop drastically mm. and the temperature would change. And she would feel like there was, she's like that feeling where you're being watched. Temperature drops are known to be associated. Yes. Yeah, so um, with the other world. Right. Right. And so she very much felt um, and she ended up moving, I think, to California. But she's like, you know, I, I want to be honest. I didn't have any like big events happen here, but I didn't feel comfortable living mm -hmm. there. Um, this is the house. I'll show you the picture here. Oh, it's so they big. Said, they said it's not like, you know, anything amazing, but this is the home. Oh, it's a big house. Um, and, and that specific woman um, had said that she um, had people who'd walk by, she'd be doing laundry outside and they'd be like, you live there? <laughs> You're fine. You're fine. I don't mind. As long as you don't get me. I wash the sheets. You don't have to be afraid. <laughs> well, I just. Yeah, I'm like, I feel like the audience role. So I wanted to learn a bit more about the, the Kasha. Well, I also want to know when was that house built? I don't know. Like what came was. before? Was what was that plot of land used? I mean, for it was before, pre you know what I mean? Oh, I saw something about burial grave. See, that's what Ancient I'm getting at. Grave. Is this a poltergeist situation? Right. Um, I did read something about that when I was reading about them um kind of laying it out for the condos. And never people, build a house on a burial ground know, and, and then never live on it. That odd happenings happen for the residents who live there now you know, potentially because of that. So let's talk about the Kasha. I'll show you a quick picture of their little drawing. Oh, of the Kasha demon. Look at those abs. Okay. Okay, just to give you a That picture. is a six pack. Okay. And then some. 
Right. So Kashar type of bake neko, which neko niko in Japanese means cat, right? So, but the baki means monster cat. So monster cat. They are mm. large, bipedal, feline. Baki Nico. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That should be our podcast title. Baki Nico. Write it down, Sarah. Baki Nico. Um, they're large, bipedal felines as large or larger than humans. They're often accompanied by hellish flames or lightning, often appearing during rain or storm. So remember when I mentioned like the lightning, like that mm-hmm. moment. Um, typically, like historically, they were viewed as coming in with a, a fiery cart to wheel away the dead. Okay, so they often live among humans disguised as ordinary house cats or strays. I have three cats living in my home. I have five cats. How many of them are Baki Nikos? Two are strays. Well, we know Kiwi. (laughs) That's a that's a different stray. I'm getting that stray. Kiwi was adopted under questionable circumstances okay okay so so that's their disguise however they reveal their true forms during funeral services when they leap down from rooftops to snatch corpses out of their coffins no kasha are occasionally employed as messengers or servants of hell in which case they are tasked with collecting corpses of wicked humans and spiriting them off to hell for punishment Other times, they steal corpses for their own uses, either to animate them as puppets or to eat them. I've heard of that, cats eating their own humans. Which I, it was so interesting because they talk about like the consumption of eating the human and as like cats doing like, I was even thinking of like Catwoman, the stupid version, um, where they all start like eating her. And it is such a like dark image. And you're like, where does that come from? What's the stupid version? I don't know. I can't think of the name. Hopefully it's Stupid. not the Michelle Pfeiffer version because I love her as Catwoman. She's good as Catwoman too. I just don't like the movie. Okay. So don't judge me. Okay. So it's nearly impossible to retrieve a person's remains after they've been sta- snatched by a cashier. So it's like done at that point, which makes it really hard for that person to move on to the afterlife. Okay. So the best defense is to be prepared. There's unique ways that people have actually formed to, de- like, the, they view this as a very real possibility, or some do, um, historically, to prevent the soul from being So stolen. what do you do? You want to know? Yes. We've we talked need, about this in other to topics. Like I need preventative protect, measures. How to protect yourself. That should be our That's new name. That's what the I want. How to protect your soul. Um, in- how to protect your soul. <laughs> if, you, if you have one. If you have one, if you have a soul yet, um, or at all. Okay, so in temples in areas where Kasha are said to prowl, so if there's like in this area, for example, where they have a Kasha house, um, here's some of the ways that clever priests have taken. One is to hold two funerals. The first funeral, funeral, they fill the coffin with rocks. Smoke and mirrors. Right. Subterfuge. So then the kasha go after Distraction. that one, and it's just like it's the whole ceremony's fake, basically. And then the second one's the real one, but it I love just that reduces the risk. It doesn't mean it won't happen, but it reduces the risk that the kasha. Finds I'm gonna the put that in my will. Hold fake funeral first, just and then second, <laughs> just in case. I mean, why not? Okay, but here's another idea, which I thought was interesting too. So 
In Ahime, a head shaving razor is placed on top of the coffin that apparently will keep the kasha out. So you could do that too. Why are we, are we shaving heads? I don't know. It just works. What is a head shaving I'm, razor? I'm more of a double funeral. No, I want to go double funeral. That. I want because that feeds my narcissistic right. traits where I'm like, two funerals. All the funerals. All the funerals. Yes. Yes. And <laughs> double the food, double the flowers. Being um, a in, Jew, double the rocks. In Miyazaki, priests, you know, you know. priests will chant, and I'm going to say this wrong, Bakuni wa kuasen and Kashini wa kuasen. And it's coming for us. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. He's coming in. Yeah. I don't mind slamming the cat in the door or cat in the door's face. Okay. Sorry, cat. Um, I don't feel bad. So they repeat that twice in front of the funeral procession. Should eat me in my sleep away. tonight because of you. You need to repeat yeah. this. Don't it means don't be eaten by Akasha. Okay. How do you say it? Kasha niwa kuasen. Kasha niwa kuasen. I'm sure we're yeah, pronouncing that twice. terribly. I'm, I'm actually probably Kashinua not off. Been, you know, I'm on month two of Duolingo in Japanese, but mm -hmm. that's fine. yeah, okay. no, it's probably way off, but yeah. <laughs> okay, I feel like I need to say it too. We apologize <laughs> to everybody. The, the hard part of this is that it's it's spelled out not in Japanese. If it was actually spelled in Japanese. I oh, I don't like the phonetic stuff. It makes it hard. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm kind of guessing how they put it in English, which is harder. Okay, so in Okuyama, the priests play a type of symbol used in religious ceremonies as well to keep the kashi away. So different regions have different ways of dispelling them. Okay, so the origins, I think, are pretty interesting. So kashi were once ordinary house cats. Like other animals, as they age in years, their tails grow longer. Cats begin to develop magical powers. Wait, what? Some, so this is their whole thing is as cats get older. Their tails grow longer? They're, they're, well, as they get older, their tails naturally grow longer. Is that true? And... People's noses get bigger and ears. And ears. Right, right, That's right. why old people right. have big nose and ears. So I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> so, so with they basically the way it started is old cats turn into Hasha. But do their, I mean, okay. do their tails really grow longer? Yeah, I've never measured. Well, if you think of a kitten, it grows longer. Well, yeah, but 100%. the whole thing does. No, but their tail. I think I mean cat. I mean, I get that too, but like their tail grows on its own as well, because it's not like a does little tail on the body of a cat. Yeah, like does it keep growing? Now I feel like I want to stretch think, my cat's tail out of her ruler and measure it, and then measure it again next year. year. Just put it like on the wall, like a growth chart. Yeah, like out here, like it's my kids' growth charts right out here on the wall. So, we'll just stretch that tail up on the wall and make a mark. So basically, Obi, as the four tail years gets old. longer, I didn't take it as like once they're adults, 
That's how I'm taking it. I mean, maybe that's true. I took it as like, as cats grow older, like into adulthood, as their tail gets longer, they grow magical powers. And then once the cats become old, they then become Kasha, right? I know. Some, (laughs) it's part of what makes me boring. Some turn into the Bake Niko, which is the more powerful, um, or no, the Bake Niko or the Kasha. Some turn into Niko Mata, which is even more powerful fear of such demonic cats is long it's like it's in japan for a very long time um so this i liked folk wisdom in japan said don't let cats near dead bodies which makes sense it makes sense i wouldn't i'm just struggling with when that would come up for me personally but this is but it gives you the why like don't let them near dead bodies because they will they will eat and consume their dead bodies and take their soul so funeral parlors should not have like a pet cat on probably not no i I would be like i can't work with you a cute little cat named muffin that just lives there okay here's another one and if a cat jumps over the coffin the corpse inside the coffin will rise no i'm not into that right i mean if i worked there that would freak me out and yeah so this actually led to superstition and if we think about how um like different breeds and things over time led to tra- traditions such as cutting cats' tails short. No, that's so to mean. prevent it from learning magic. <gasps> right. What? Right. That's why people do that. I, I mean, it's just probably not bullies. Probably not modern animal days, but that's how things like that start, and it becomes a like, oh, I like the way that looks. But it came from a fear and superstition of cats having magical powers and stealing souls, so they try to curb that i have three cats that live in this house and i don't trust any of them to be honest <laughs> five i'm way outnumbered i just i just don't really always know like what their motivation is i had to get my cat off the roof and he was like let me off i'm like you got up there like and now i have to stand on a scary stool i'm gonna die by doing this and sometimes that like they're clearly point. looking so they at something my dead body yeah. They were learning me. Learning. Oh, <laughs> learning me. We should do a Podbean patron only thing where we try to pet Kiwi later. Oh, no, Kiwis. I liked Kiwi at first. I'm like, oh, she's being nice to me. And then all of a sudden bit me out of like bit me. Out I of have nowhere. the three pet roll. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, stop. Uh-huh. But um, we go the opposite way. No, no, no. It doesn't even matter. Like, it doesn't matter. Kiwi acts super loving. She's gorgeous. She, she feels like she's made of velvet. Kiwi is a kasha, 100%. and she will come up to you she and be eat like, "My eyeballs, love me. No I'm so beautiful." And then you pet her, and she bites the shit out of you. She's drawn blood on me so many times. Yeah, it's not even just like I have a cat that like does it playfully. Darkness does it playfully, but it's like she bites you, and you're like, "You little shit! Like, fuck you! We're not friends anymore." We're gonna do it. I want that to be my next cat's name. Darkness. Oh, Kasha. That's a good. Yeah, that's a really good name. Kasha. Just make sure you're pronouncing it right. Yeah. Go go look it up. All right. Please consider being our patron on Patreon. It's the best way to support our podcast and we'll pay for our wine fund because this shit's like $5 a can. 
and now we have fucking Sarah on board. No, so next time, she no, no, no. We're doing a ride swap. So no, like no, I no. drive one time, she drives okay. the other. Our patrons, I don't rotate ever. Who love us will support that. Yes, <laughs> not you, Victor Martinez. You're doing your part. Aww. You're good. But other people that aren't our patrons and aren't as generous. Because we know there's a lot of you that listen. We'd really appreciate the help. It it takes time. It takes friendship. It takes some touching. It wasn't consensual. Um, I know it's just awkward from an awkward person. I can't help that. If you didn't listen to our last episode, we talked about. I don't remember. Oh my God, you talked about two plane local crash. plane crashes on right Mount on Mount Spokane. Um, you know, make sure you have the right map. And I talked about mediums focusing on Tyler Henry, Hollywood medium. Mm-hmm. And Macy um, luckily has 2% of an open mind. So, I mean, it's better than being 100% closed. Oh yeah. No, I like being, I like the, I like being scared. I like being open to the experience. Prove me wrong. I'm totally open to it. Totally open. Um, until next time. Until next time. Consider doing patty cake with your friend. It'll give you some oxytocin. Mm-hmm. do you mm-hmm. know a patty cake song do you know this oh song? i'm really good at dun, 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 dun. okay well, well you're not even doing it hold on you're not she doing it go faster 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 until next time <laughs> be awesome like us <laughs> so awesome. do you ever do this one wait 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 okay okay i don't know if i can do this okay hold on Double double this this double double that that double this double that double double this that. <laughs> <laughs>